Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, I just come boldly before your throne of grace. Thank you so much for just being a part of our lives. Thank you for this day, God. We just ask that you just please allow us to receive your word today. Allow us to be obedient to your word, God. Allow us to accept the things that you want us to do that are pleasing to you, satisfying and obedient, God. Let us have a desire to please you, God. Let us let us um, not just desire to fulfill your plan, will and purpose, but also let it let us yearn for it, God. Let us ponder on it and think about your word, God. Let us set our thoughts on the heavenly things, God. Allow us to just have a peaceful life and be obedient to your plan, will, and purpose, God. Most importantly, Lord, I ask that you lead me in this discussion. You allow us to retain your word today. Keep your word hidden in our hearts. Allow our hearts to be softened and melted for you, God. Allow us to see things from your eyes and not our own and to hear through your ears and not our own so that that way we could, you know, see things the way that you see and hear them. So we're not leaning or depending on our own understanding, God. So I just thank you today, Lord. And I just ask that you just allow me to be quickened by the Holy Spirit. Do not let me forget anything, God. And just let me deliver deliver the word exactly the way I'm supposed to, Lord. Um, and just, you know, allow me when I'm giving out my testimony, God, let me not forget anything and just do it the way I'm supposed to do it and say it, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Please let your will be done in our life. Not our will, not anyone else's will for us, but your will be done in our life, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your time and blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Lost Life and Help. Let's talk about it. So um, today, I am actually just going to redo the podcast that I did yesterday. So what happened was, after the podcast, I had um, you know, finished the rest of my night out. I prayed. And then I was reading the word and then I woke up this morning and it was like, God has said that I could have did the podcast better. Okay. So I didn't go to school for theology or anything like that. I'm only in school right now getting my PhD in community psychology. Um, I would like to, you know, hopefully after I do obtain this degree, maybe pursue some uh, theology um, courses so that that way I could be more effective in the way that I am delivering the message. Um, so I haven't been doing this that long, only since around really pretty much the end of November, no, uh, November to early December. So um, I think with time I am improving, but I just felt like I could have did better than I did yesterday. When God spoke to me this morning, I was like, okay, let me remove it. And then I'll retry again today. So when the Lord tell you to do something, it's important for us to do it. So I'm going to do this again today and I'm going to give it my best. Okay. So, um, let me go ahead and get right into the word. I'm going to share my screen You share the screen. I have to remember to share the sound. Okay. All right. So reverting back on Sunday, because that would have been the last podcast that you all would have heard unless you joined me yesterday. Um, I know that there were about 600 and maybe 
40 people in the room yesterday. Um, but I know that you all kind of go out and go come back and forth in the room. So um, I'm just going to, you know, clarify a few things from Sunday's pod podcast. So I, I spoke a lot about my dad and how my dad, he would always just to say, um, he would use profanity and he would just, you know, say, just forget it basically. So I'm going to use the word forget in place of what, you know, he, he would say. So anytime I had any type of discouragement in life, my dad would always just say, forget it, forget that, you know, it's like, okay, you fail. Like I was one time I was riding on my bike and I, I always used to love riding a bicycle. And so um, I really used to like riding the 18 speed and 24 speed. So I, I used to have an 18 speed and then I went up to a 24 and then I went up to a 32 speed. And so I always used to go bike riding. So I was kind of like a tomboy. Um, we, when, we, when I was a kid, we would jump off roofs and jump really far. And then we would, I would just ride on a bike. We would jump on the trees. We would just be, I would just be doing all type of stuff with um my male cousins and friends um so one, one time i hurt myself really bad on the bike right and um when i did my dad was like ah oh, get up it's okay it's okay you know forget about it and i was like because I, I wanted to cry real bad but i did it and he's like forget about it and i was like ah oh, yeah forget about it and so i was i forgot about it <laughs> and i just kept riding and so um, I think it was early as second grade when I first remember what he would just say, just forget it, you know. And um, so like through, growing up, it was just like, just forget it, just forget it, you know. So like if my feelings was hurt about something, my dad here and, I, and I'll come and talk to him about it. Like, dad, you know, um, she said this to me and my dad would be like, forget about it. That's it. You know, like, I'm like, what well, did I want to talk about? No, nope, just forget about it. It's not, it's not doing anything for you. So just forget about it. And then, so that's one, like another situation. So, um, like when in my marriage, when I would have problems in my marriage, my dad would say, you know, um, well, you got to think about the good things. Do the good outweigh the bad. If it do, forget about the bad, forget about it. And it's like, I never really got into the full details about situations. Um, because my dad, he never really pondered on it like that. He don't uh, focus or place any emphasis on things that would cause you to think or feel defeated at all. It's like he just completely cut it off right there at the thought. <laughs> right at the thought of it. If you're talking to him about something, it's like, oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. You, 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 feeling, you feeling defeated. Forget about that. Just forget about it. It, what can you do about it? If you can't do, you can't do nothing about it, right? Forget about it. So that's just the way that it was. So like just growing up, um, a, a lot of times when, when I see my friends, they would be like going through a lot of problems and stuff. And when I see them going through so much, it, it would be like, you know, just forget about it. I mean, it's nothing like, what can you do? So I started when I would give advice to people, <laughs> I would say, just forget about it. You know, you got to just forget about it. Move on. You know, like, what what can you do? If, you know, it's out of your control. You know, he he or she, they, they portrayed you or, you know, your cousin stole money. What can you do about it? They You know that they a thief now. So, like, forget about it. 
right? So that's just the way that it is. Um, I guess that's the way that it was for me growing up. And so having the ability to forget about things, um, I mean, I guess it has its pros and cons because it's like you go through when I went through things, I don't I don't really stay uh I'm not an unforgiving person. So what what it did teach me is not to walk in unforgiveness. So like um I have I actually wrote this down and the question that I wrote, this is what I wanted to talk about. How well do you work with people that you don't agree with? So even though I went through all of these different things in life growing up and all of these experiences, I have so many stories. I don't know. I can't even count them. Um, but when I think about the experiences that I've endured and overcome, I think about I, I, I'm not an unforgiving person. I can't stay mad for that long. So like if we're talking about something and I disagree with you, and, or you disagree with me, that's fine. It's like, now what's the next subject? Okay, we can we can be adult enough to agree to disagree. And so just growing up, what God used my father, even though my dad, instead of saying, forget about it, what he was using the words, he was using profanity when he said it. And so um, it kind of like resonated in my life for pretty much like all my life. And um. I always would just think about what he would say. Just forget about it. Forget about this and forget about that. So I, you know, like when when a person make a mistake, we all make mistakes. So you have to learn how to let it go. You have to learn how to move on. You have to learn how to talk about things, communicate about it, and then you move on from it. So one time, I remember specifically my ex-husband. Um, so, okay. So I'm I'm gonna say this story. So me and my uh ex-husband, we lived in a pretty uh, pretty much a small agriculture, uh an agriculture state, a small town in Iowa. And we went there. Um, his family was there, his mom, like everybody was there. I didn't have any family there. And so one day I was well, when I when I did go there, I went to college. I did go to college while I was there, and then um I made some friends at school. And so I had just, I think I just had left one of my friend's houses. And so I went to his sister house. And when I went to his sister house, I was like, I said, hey, to his mom, you know, she was in the house. Hey, you know, and then I'm like, I, where is my husband at? You know, and he wasn't there. She's like, well, well, he gone out. Um, I don't remember specifically what she said that he went, but he was gone. So I was like, okay, well, I'll sit, I'm going to sit outside and I will sit on the porch and I was waiting for him to come. And so at this time, a girl walked up and she looked like me. <laughs> I mean, she looked exactly like me, but she looked like a younger me. And I was just looking at her and she was like, she said my husband and she was like, oh, it's a... It's uh, she said his street name, and then I said, "No, I'm waiting on him right now." She was like, "Yeah, well, I've been calling his phone all day, and he isn't answering the phone." And I was like, "Oh, well, who are you?" And she was like, "I'm his girlfriend," 
And I was like, oh, <laughs> really? Okay, well, let's wait on him. <laughs> and so yeah, I said, well, let me go to the store. And so I went to the store and I got me some beer. And at the time, I wasn't like really drinking. I was pretty much doing homework most of the time. And, and But I had just got me two beers just to like sit there and, and just relax. Um, And so I'm sitting here and I'm looking. And me and her talking, and she's talking about all type of stuff. I was like, so how I was like, so how long y'all been dating? And then, you know, I was just having a regular conversation with this girl. And so then, um, so then I went in the house, and then so his mom was in there and she was just relaxing. I'm like, well, I'm just sitting outside uh waiting on him to come. Um, so when he walked up. I said, did he, this is your girlfriend that you never introduced me to. <laughs> and so he was just sitting there and he was like, oh, uh, no, nah, she not my girlfriend. And she was, so they get into, she get into like a little argument and debate with him. I was like, well, I'm his wife. Honestly, that's like, I was going to, I wanted to see what he was going to say. If he was going to let you know this, you know? Um, and so just that situation alone, we did get into like, we got into an argument. Then we had got into a fight. And then um, we just had a problem that day. Okay. And so what happened was later on, I would say uh, within a matter of a couple days, it was like, he said, well, you know, you work all the time. Um, you in school, you know, you're not at home. And I felt like at the time, like I was depriving my husband, you know, um, I was depriving him of just being a wife, uh, being a sense of wife. And so I worked it out. And um, so I really wasn't that mad uh, about the situation because I felt like I was neglecting my responsibilities as a wife. And so even though I wasn't being that attentive to, you know, pretty much like my my family or um my husband at the time because I was I'm working I'm in school I'm I was doing a lot of stuff and so um it was just difficult for our relationship it it, it was a strain on our relationship and although most women they would get upset about things like that and they probably would maybe break up with their husband or separate you know um, but that, that isn't the case with me. And then, so eventually what ended up happening was my husband, my ex-husband, he ended up, well, he was accused of having kids with one of my best friends there in Iowa. And, um, it wasn't just one kid that she said that was his, it was a, a two. And I was like, wow, you know, like that, that, that kind of hit my heart, you know? So I was, um... Even after that, I still stayed in my marriage. Um, even though it was difficult as far as what really what really was hard was the abuse. So we we went through a lot of things and we would fight a lot. And I was I went through abuse. I just went through verbally abusiveness, um, emotional abuse, all type of stuff that was going on. So um he eventually said that those kids wasn't his, but she went around the entire town just pretty much telling everybody that, um, you know, th these were his kids. 
And you know, like that, it was, it was, I don't know if I was even embarrassed because it wasn't me that had participated in that. That was between him and her. So I wasn't embarrassed about anything. You know, I felt like she wasn't a, a good friend. And so I left that situation alone with her, but I, you know, um, tried to work it out with my husband. Um, and so the reason why I'm saying this is because a lot of times women, when we're, when women, certain women are going through different experiences, you can go through unforgiveness, you know, have unforgiveness in your heart. But really, God doesn't want us to have unforgiveness. You have to learn that everybody makes mistakes. And sometimes when they have addictions and different things like that, some people don't, they don't just have, um, gossiping addiction some people gossip so much like soon as you go around them that's all you're gonna hear is something that they're gonna tell you something about somebody else that like guess what or this and that um so that's they have addictions for they and they gossip some people have drug addiction some people have gambling addiction some people have sex addictions and so i knew that my hood my my husband at the time he was having sex addictions um and that was just something that I can't accommodate. You know, he need help. He needed help. All right. Um, the good thing about it is that we have beautiful kids. And I love our kids. And he love our kids. And so um, that's the good thing. I He never gave me no sexually transmitted disease. I don't have any diseases. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I was fine. But I, I wanted to point out that a lot of times when you're going through these experiences we can be unforgiving to people but by me growing up the way that i grew up i can't hold on for nothing too long so if you like he would say okay yeah like a lot of times when me and my ex-husband would talk i'd be like well just tell me the truth you know what's going on he'd be like okay you know i did it and I was be like, dang, you did that. You did it with a again? Like, like what, you know, you always sleepy. You know, so I'm like, I, well, I do go to school and I do do homework and I do work and I'm tired. So like, what can I do? So besides go to counseling and talk about this. So my lifestyle and his lifestyle, it can't accommodate each other. And me being a wife at the time you're not supposed to deprive your husband of sexual intimacy the bible says that unless for a time of fasting um and and so when you're setting a time where you both have agreed on fasting together like okay we're gonna we're gonna not have intimacy this is for fasting specifically right then that's when you're not supposed to you all come to that agreement but I wasn't doing it, okay? Um, I guess sex was not at the top of my to-do list. It, there were other things going on in my life. Um, and so I just really wanted to point out that we have to, in order for us to have favor with God, we have to learn what forgiveness really is. And regardless of whoever you, you encounter in your life, you need to make sure that every encounter you make, that is memorable, okay? Every single person that you meet is not by coincidence. God allows you to intertwine and to be interconnected to them for a specific reason. So how are you leaving 
a mark in their life? What are you saying? What are you doing? Are you going to make yourself memorable? You know, how do you make yourself memorable in the lives of people, the people that you know, and in the lives of the people you meet? So for me, I am the type of person that's always focused on, I, I guess pretty much I always try to be positive and very honest about things. Um, so I wanted to get into the word. Now, um, let me let me pull up this scripture. Because I have some scriptures up here, but I also had some other ones that I wanted to really look over and um, talk about. So it's actually three more I wanted to add on here. So actually four. Okay, so let's start. Let me start at... Um, We, I want to start at Romans 12 and 14. I, I have so many different scriptures up here. So I'm going to start at uh, Romans, Romans 12 and 14. It says, wait, I want to look on Bible Hood for this so I can look at the different translations. Okay. All right. Romans 12 and 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's the NIV version. The New Living Translation says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. The uh, English Standard Version says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. The King James Bible says, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. The Amplified Bible says, bless those who persecute you, who cause you harm or hardship, bless and do not curse them. So this is a very good scripture because what it's telling us is it doesn't matter what nobody do to you. It doesn't matter what nobody say to you, anybody that brings hardships to you any um adversities in your life bless them bless them and do not curse them the reason why god is telling us to bless them see when we pray for them god is going to bless them so our prayer is the blessing that our request is to the lord so whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven so our words and what we're speaking to the lord our dialogue and communication with god what it does is it sets the tone and it binds it on earth and it also bounds it in heaven. So I say, God, bless my enemy so that they can understand who you are. Let them turn away from all the things that is displeasing to you, that are dissatisfying to you, that is disobedient to you. God, heal them and help them. 
help them not cause adversity in the lives of anyone else. God, let them turn away from it. See, because a lot of times people will try to make your life hard for you. But see, what they don't realize is that when you have God in your life, you pray for you. You triumph over your enemies. You prevail over your enemies because you pray for your enemies. And the way you pray for your enemies, you're not praying. Well, see, when you when you pray vengeance, see, vengeance is the Lord's. You're not praying vengeance in a way where you want your enemies to be hurt. You don't want nobody to be hurt. You have to understand that when you talk to God, you're going to God, you're going to his throne of grace, not in a way where you're bitter, okay? You want people to be blessed because it's not about you. It's about them. It's not about, it's not about what your enemies did, what you thought they did. Because see, you have, you have to learn how to embrace your experience. You embrace the situation because guess what? Like when I think about all these different situations that I went through, let me explain this. God probably used me to help another person life get saved because of what I went through and me telling them they chose to learn from me and not have to go through the experience. For instance, like when I was, uh, we was robbed in a car. We was, the car was hijacked. They hijacked the car. And so I didn't ran and, and, and kind of like went over there to where the enemies was at. The same people who were robbing us, I didn't went right around, like on the same block trying to get away from the situation and ran into the same people that have took, stuck us up. So that situation alone taught me not to have any type of like flamboyant, flashy stuff. I don't want to ride in no car with no big TVs, with no sounds. I don't want none of that. I don't want no big rims in the car. I don't want, I don't want none of that. Nothing. I just want a factory-driven vehicle where I could ride around and be in luxury. That's it. All that other nice, the, what people consider to be nice, I don't want that. So when I, when I told other, some other people about it, they, they like, oh, yeah, you're right. That don't make sense. You know, because why do we have to have a, a movie on wheels? We don't have to do that. Well, that should be family time. That, we should have TVs and all these TVs in the car when we're taking a family trip or when we're going, um, you know, in the van or something. Or we got a big old truck and we're taking our family on a vacation. Not to just be riding around every day on, uh, with TVs in the door and in the visor and everywhere. It's no sense to do that. So that taught me not to get in any cars like that ever again. And it wasn't the fact that I was scared like to purchase these items again or to get in a uh you know like I could I could pretty much have any kind of car I want and put you know rims on it, put sounds in it, you know give me some pink rims or you know like some nice TVs. I could put whatever I want to put on my car. But I don't because those are not the things that I want. And the reason why I don't want them, it's not because I'm scared of being robbed again, because I'm not. I don't live in fear. 
So no matter what I went through in my life, the only time I can honestly say that I had like a lot of fear was when I was when I was uh, raped. And then it was hard for me to go back and forth to school, like going from from the uh, going leaving school and then going to my car. That was hard to do. Um, I was on the Willing campus in, uh, at my school, and it was it's so it's so dark out there. I, I just I had to have security walk me to my car um, because I still had fear of being out outside at night. And so um, that's pretty much like the only time that an experience really like made me fear it happening really again like that. Well, I wouldn't even say that. That's the only time. It's a couple more times, but I don't. I don't really want to get into that right now. Um, but I wanted to say specifically that that situation taught me not to ride in a car like that. I don't need a car that is going to, you know, attract the wrong type of attention. I don't like too much attention. I don't like too much flashy stuff. I don't like that type of life. I don't like that type of. I don't like nothing associated with it. So, um, I don't encourage it either. You know, if you want to go to a car show or you want to go to, you know, see those type of things, go to a car show. You know, I don't want to, I don't, I just don't want to ride around like that every single day. And so what that taught me was not to do that. And also to encourage other people, like you could, you, you're wastefully spending your money and you riding around in a hood like this. It's not, it's like, what, what's the point? You know, it's just drawing too much unnecessary attention. And anything unnecessary, you shouldn't be participating in. It makes no sense. It's meaningless. And so um, when we're when we're praying and we're going to the throne of grace to God, you want to make sure that you're coming from a space that you're not, you know, um, bitter about. You're not bitter from any experience, any any experience that you went through. You want to let it go and you going to God and you saying, God, you know, like, this is what I, I want you to bless these people. God, I need you to, I put it in your hands and I ask you to turn, turn their hearts away from what they doing, God, whatever it takes, shaking and awakening them, help them. Because see, you, you have to know that it's not about, it's not about you. It's about them. It's about their soul. It's not about us. It's about them. So if you saved already, you already belong to the kingdom. It's about other people that are unsaved that God wants in the kingdom. And so it's important for us to, when we, we bless them through prayer, even when they persecute us, you still don't want nothing bad to happen to them. You know, you want God to help transform their mind. So when you do that, that gives uh, that will give you the ability to be able to prevail over your enemies and triumph over your enemies because ultimately your enemies have no impact over you because guess what you've already prayed for them you've already put it at the throne of grace and you left it there with god and you asked god to transform them so now all you got to do is just sit back and wait you know that's what i i do i'll i'll sit back and wait and, and watch a person and see how much they improve how their language changes how their behavior and their actions change especially if you're close to them if you're not you know you just have to trust god and know that it's it's done it's done so it's it's good to make sure that you um bless people and not curse them for instance my ex-husband after we separated 
he had a girlfriend. But then I guess they broke up and um because well, she was living in my in my neighborhood. She moved into my neighborhood where I was living at. And then um I guess it made it convenient for them. So, you know, like I guess to be close to me too, fire son and stuff. And um so what happened was he ended up leaving her. But I was close to her. And I'm also close to her kids. So uh, I say, okay, well, you know, what What would you like for me to... Because she was calling me and she needed my help. And so I didn't mind helping her. And so I let her come and stay in my house. And just until she was able to do what she needed to do. Because I am a woman... Because that's, I am a woman of God who God created me to be. I'm not, I don't want to see her going through unnecessary experiences when I know that our kids don't want to see her hurt or in pain, you know, from something that she went through with him. So I let her come and stay in my house. And so she wasn't there for too long, but she was there and um, her and her kids. And so that was a situation that, Sometimes she didn't always act like she liked me. Sometimes she would see me and she don't speak to me. But you know, we act, we had I understand the fact that there are going to be women that this man only married me. He had a lot of different girlfriends, you know, and he has like four or five different baby mamas now. So I was the wife. And I endured a lot, is what I would say, in that situation. And sometimes I still feel like, you know, it, it isn't all the way closed, but I know for sure that it is closed on my end because I don't have those emotions anymore. Um, As a wife to him, I'm no longer his wife. I no longer have to experience abuse. I no longer have to experience any of that. But when it comes to our, our, our kids... That's one thing that I will do. Like, for instance, um, he he had went to jail and I ended up helping taking care of his kids. I took care of maybe like six of the kids. And um they were with me for like the whole summer. And one of one of them, their mom, we had got into a physical altercation. But yet she still sent her sons to me that for the whole summer. It, and it was because specifically we have a, a bond in a way, like even if we have disagreements as adults, we don't involve our children with those things. So it didn't matter if I had a fight with you or I was arguing with you somewhere or outside, anywhere, wherever I seen you at it and you, we got into it. Once it's time for us to take care of these kids, that's what we're going to do. We always take care of our children. And no, they wasn't like my biological children. They were still my children because those were my husband kids. And so that's what I did. And when it comes to being a supportive wife, I just think that we are supposed to love a person unconditionally. And loving them unconditionally is also like loving sometimes even your enemies unconditionally. And I know I keep going into these stories, but I, I have another story to share. Um, 
another one specifically, there was a girl. Well, me and her, me, we had got into a fight. And um, this was a while ago. And then she she asked me, she said, can I date your boyfriend? And I was like, like, what type of stuff is that? Well, I wanted to ask you because I'm just trying to get permission. So I won't, so you won't feel disrespected. But me and her, we had already got into a fight about something completely different. And so, you know, it's just about that respect level. You know, like even though me and her wasn't friends, it's still like, okay, let me ask her if this is if this is okay. You know, it's just a respect thing. And just having that respect, even though you're not my friend. And you are considered an enemy. It it puts you in the mindset of making sure that your enemies can't even be mad at you. My enemies can't even be upset with me. Because I don't allow them to. If whatever we're experiencing at that moment, it's okay. You know, you having your moment. I'm having my moment. We are human. We're going to have moments. But that doesn't mean you're going to don't be having that moment with me every time I see you. If you have a problem with it, we well, we need to resolve this now. What's up? If you need some air to walk off and think about what you need to say, go ahead and walk off. Get you about a 10, 20 minute break and come on, let's chop this up so we can talk. So for me, communication is something that I learned from my grandmother. My grandmother was with my grandfather for over 35 years, 30 something years they were together. And so it was the communication. And I learned communication at a very young age and how to talk about things. So like when you're going through things, that's why it was like really difficult for me. When I went to counseling, I, I did go to counseling. I went to counseling through because I went through I had went, was going through a lot of stuff in my life. And I did go to counseling, but I didn't, the counselor, well, they don't really help me that much. That It didn't work. Okay, yes, I, I listened to some of the things, but it's like a lot of the advice I had already analyzed and it was applying a lot of things in my life already. So what I really needed and what I was missing was God. I needed God. I needed answers from God. I needed to just talk to God. It was just like, that's what I was missing. I was missing God. And so we have to understand, everybody needs to understand this, not just me. We have to get into the habit of letting go of things. And too many times when you are offended, you don't know how to let go of things go. Well, see, if you had a parent like my dad, you would know how to let things go. Because he would be like, forget it. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. All right, forget it. So I just forget it. And, and so that's the way that I am. So if we have a problem or if we have an issue, we need to be able to resolve it through communication and prayer. So the first thing we do is communicate with God. And then we communicate. And then we come to a consensus and, you know, we resolve things. Because God, as long as we have communication with God, we're going to be good. We're going to be okay. So um, just remember that even when people are, you know, against you, that you feel like against you or they're, 
you know, causing adversity and problems in your life. Or, you know, it really doesn't really matter what the situation may be. Just know that hurt people hurt people. And when people are saying hurtful things, they're not upset. They are really hurting on the inside. So I learned how to communicate in a way where I can pretty much talk about anything in the world. The only thing that I won't get into specifics about is about the way my kids specifically feel about a lot of different things. They, they're very boisterous and they're pretty adamant about a lot. And so I don't try to invade their space because they have a right to privacy. And so when it comes to my children, I'm very private. And um, But besides that, I could talk about everything. And so having that ability on an intellectual basis, that allows me to, you know, be complimentary in someone else's life. And sometimes some subjects, I may, I may ask a question that, that may, everybody in the room might not even like, but just because they didn't like it doesn't mean I'm not going to ask. All right. It's not about, it's not about us. It's about them. And so creating um, innovative ways of, to communicate with people and not coming at them in a way where, where it's hateful. You know, like it, it's a, like I said, get over it. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's like, why are you arguing with a customer? You don't know what they, they would, what was like. You don't know. It's not about you. You didn't wake up with them. You don't know. You really don't. So, um... It's like, for instance, the other day I was, I went in the store and, um, the man, I was, I'm standing in line. And so the other, the, the, it's like two people in front of me. And so the other guy, he lets the other man up and get in front of the line. And so I'm standing behind him and he said, Hey, and I'm just sitting here, I'm, I'm standing here and I'm, I'm looking at some, I ain't even listening to this man. And so when I look up, he said, no, hey, huh? <laughs> he said, no, hey, huh? I said, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, how you doing? I, I got so much on my mind right now. I didn't even hear you talking to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here like I'm in a, I'm looking at something else in the store while I'm waiting in line. But he's talking to me. He's saying, hey, you know, how you doing? Like, and I'm just not paying attention at all. And so he said, no, hey, no, hey, huh? I said, I'm sorry. I apologize about that. You know, how you doing? But, you know, you never know what somebody is going through and you may never know what they're experiencing. Sometimes I am thinking about a lot. And I, I did. I had a lot on my mind at that moment. So um, that, so that, that was that part. Now, I wanted to shift focus here, and I wanted to go over another scripture. So, that was, um, that was, hold on, that was Romans. That was, um, that was Romans 12 and 14. I want to go to Romans chapter 2. Go to Romans 2.
Romans 2 and then Romans 8. Okay, it's loading. So while that's loading, um, to conclude on that, just make sure that whatever you're going through, go to, go to God and cry out to God to heal them people, to heal whoever has caused problems in your life, to, to heal, to heal, to heal, to heal them. And allow their lives to be transformed in their mind. Let them transform their minds to God. Being submissive to God, obedient to God, satisfying to God. In the name of Jesus Christ. So that is what you pray for your enemies. Um, so Romans, Romans chapter 2. Okay, I'm gonna I was gonna talk about that. Life through the spirit. Okay. So that one, and then I want to go. Um, okay. So I'm going to go over these two scriptures. Romans chapter 2 and Romans chapter 8. So, Romans 2 says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. So guess what? You have to understand that we all have fallen short. So it doesn't matter what it is. We all have failed. We all have messed up. We all have endured something and went through some things in our lives where we didn't mess up. Okay? So accept that. So when you're going through these persecutions and you're going through all of these different problems, you have to understand that God does not want us judging people. He don't. What he wants us to do is he wants us to treat people at the same level with how we want God to treat us. I'm going to say that again. God wants us to treat people the way we want God to treat us. Treat people the way we want God to treat us. The way that we do that is by being kind to them, being forgiving to them, right? So you can't like, okay, I feel like I have went through so much, so much, but I still can't hold no grudge, okay? I can't. I can't tell you nobody that I have a grudge against. Period. I can't. I don't have no grudges against nobody. So you have to like really walk in life and you have to say to yourself, see, I don't know what that person's choices was. I don't know what they went through. I don't know what they experienced. I don't know what they experienced growing up that are that are impacting them as adulthood in their adulthood. 
I don't know. I don't know. So if you don't know, don't judge. Because we don't know what their choices were. You could have had the, you could have went through the same experience, but not had those have good choices. Somebody did you wrong and you made sure you paid them back. Right? Or somebody did you wrong and you know you you just go over there and and, and you just make it be known that you want to fight. Now, I was a fighter. I, I thought fighting is like a hobby. That's how it was for me. And fighting is a hobby for some people. So that's the way it is. And then after the fight, okay, you would be mad for a week after that. It's it's okay. We cool. Because once you fight, it's over with. That's it. You know, but now people don't do that anymore like the way they used to. They used to just settle things through physical altercations, physical fights. And now it's not physical fights. They kill each other. And that's unfortunate. That's very sad. But what we all have to understand is this scripture is very powerful. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. How are you talking about somebody when you don't know the facts? You don't know what the facts are. Obtain the facts from that person. From that person, from God, pray to God. God will answer all our prayers. So at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same things, do you think you escape God's judgment? Absolutely not. And so God doesn't want us to be judging people that you, you don't know. You don't know. So I've literally had conversations with people and they would just tell me, like, I like I know what I was talking about. Let me explain this one thing. I have been studying CRISPR probably the last, let's see. The last three years, nonstop. Um, hours out the day. So I would I would just say on average, six between four and six hours every two days. That's for sure, for sure. For the past three years or longer. Well, I think probably maybe the past five years, because I was already studying it before I even. Um, considered it for my dissertation, my my research. So I've already been studying this. So I'm actually really an expert. I'm not a um, biology scientist or anything like that, right? I've studied everything and out when it comes to CRISPR. If you talk to me about an article, I probably do know about the article, okay? Because <laughs> I just read everything about it. So I know what's going on with CRISPR technology. It's like, <laughs> it's like I can be there I don't know. Um, like I'm, I'm. I just know everything that they're doing. I know everything that CRISPR technology is doing. All right. 
So if someone is telling me, like standing in front of me and they like, well, see, I just can't believe that. I say, okay, I understand if you don't believe what I'm, what I just said about CRISPR. That's fine. Well, I don't understand why. Well, oh, well, I just explained it. But if you telling me you don't believe what I'm saying, that's fine. So what I'm trying to say is a lot of times people will undermine you. They will judge you maybe because of the way you dress, the way you speak. I really don't care about it. I intentionally remain comfortable because I'm not waking up dressing, thinking about like, oh, well, what would this person think if I wore this? I wonder who I'm going to run into today. I have to make sure I have the right shoes on for everybody I encounter. Let me make sure I put this right outfit on and make sure I'm dressed appropriately for everybody I encountered today. So I don't think that way. I don't think on that level. Now, I do understand that some people are thinking on that level, but I don't think on that level. I just say I want to be comfortable today. And so that's it. When I am talking to others, I'm not judging them. But what I do analyze is I test and try them. And then I make an analysis of what's going on. And then after that, then I'm going to pray to God about it. I pray to God about everything. I pray to God about every single situation that I have been in. Everything. I pray to God. So if, you know, you're going through something in your life and you have met me, I probably pray for you. So just know that I'm a prayer warrior. I'm going to pray about it. So what I'm trying to say is that a lot of times people, they judge you based off of your dress code. Um, they may even judge you by your car. They see you. Oh, that's a nice car she in. Oh, I like your car. You, you always have foreigns. You always driving that nice cars. You always have a nice house. You always, your kids always looking. Your kids always have everything. Where you get all that money from? You know, just nosy. People that they don't they don't be knowing what's going on, but they judge and they're on the outside looking in and they they formulate their opinions and they formulate their um what's going on, but they they still just continue to do the same thing. So you have to understand. That what we have to what we have to do is we have to stop judging people because you don't escape God's judgment when you're doing it. So in verse four, or do you show contempt for the riches of of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So with God being patient, with God. You know, seeing the potential in us. So he gives us forbearance for our sins. So he gives us time. He gives us time to repent with his kindness, with his patience. And, you know, and, and, and so all of these things is done so that we can repent. He's given us time to repent. It should lead us to repentance.
So when you think of God being forgiven to you and patient with you, it's because he's leading you to repent. It's time to repent. If you can't repent, there is a problem. So, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself. Against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. This isn't just for one thing you did. This is a combination of every single thing that you have done in your life. So we, as children of God, we are supposed to test and try the spirit. How can two walk together unless they are in agreement? Do not, do not um, walk in the path of the wicked. So you don't want to walk in. If you, if you know that they are wicked, you know that these are things that's in about, they doing things that are in abomination to God. They're not going to give, they're not going to make you laudatory in the eyes of God. So you have to let it go. Right. And so laudatory is favor with God. You want to make sure that you have favor in the eyes of God because, see, God is going to judge you according to everything that you have done. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immorality, immortality, not immorality, immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So it doesn't matter if you feel like you just chosen. You can feel self-entitled all you want. But that self-entitlement is going to separate you from your, your works, what the things that you have done. So it says like here in verse six, God will repay each each person according to what they have done. Verse seven, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But if you are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. So if you are rejecting the truth about things, that's the first thing that comes with transformation is accepting the truth. You have to be willing to accept the truth no matter which way it is given to you. So I want you to tell me the truth, even if you think it hurts. Because I can handle the truth. And then I know that once I get the truth, now I can move forward. Now I could actually, you know... Just focus on the solution once you get the truth. That's, you know, focus on the solution. God will provide you with solutions. So verse nine, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. Every human being. No one is, is it, not one single person is exempt. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. So no one is exempt from that. If you're doing evil, you're not going to be exempt. 
But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First the Jew, then for the Gentiles. For God does not show favoritism. So I know that I've said this before because I, I do think about this on a frequent basis, right? I think about how how was the person who actually had favor with God? How are the people that had favor with God today? And I and I think about my actions like, okay, God, did I did I do these? Did I do anything that was favorable to you? Tell me. I want to know what I'm doing right. I want to know how I could be corrected. I want to know, God, tell me. Tell me what am I doing? I want to know today what did I do where I can improve? Anything that I can improve, show me, God. Show my kids areas in their life that they can improve. Show my mom, my sister, my niece, my grandbaby, and her mom and family. Show them areas that they can improve, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. So you want to know. it. That should be your desire. And if that is your desire, then you need to talk to God about it. So all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. All who are all for all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law they are not they are a law for themselves even though they do not have the law they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them this will take place on the day when god judged people's secrets through jesus christ as my gospel declares that word right there is so powerful so we have to know you know just we we need to have transparency transparency for people you you don't know what that person went through you've on and then some people say well i've known i know you for five years well i'm 40. what's five years you in, you're not around me every day so that's a small portion of my life that you had access to. Quit acting like you know me because you don't. I don't even hang out with you. So what I'm trying to explain is you need to know what's going on in the lives of the people who you judging. Otherwise, you can't judge them. And, and, only, and, and, and so I'm going to say that again so I can provide clarification on this. We are to test and try the spirit. But how do you test and try a person's spirit without judging them? So let me explain this too. So there's no confusion on this issue. You are aware of a situation in someone's life. With you being aware of that situation, that person shared things with you. You are aware of it. And now that person want to go out and just say steal now they want to go be a thief and maybe go over their house and steal you test and try that person you didn't heard them say they're about to steal now that is not a good thing to do so if they steal from them what do you think they'll do to you 
are you judging them no what you're doing is you're identifying what a problem is you identifying the spirit that is governing them that's a a a, a, a spirit that is um a envy right they want what somebody else has so why you test and try people you can test and try people test and trying the spirit without judging them the way you do that is you analyze what they doing and what they saying how how does they words correlate with their actions are they doing what they say that they're gonna do just because a person say they love you it do they love you but then they go beat you upside the head that's that's not a reflection of love love isn't going to turn into physical abuse okay so that's you test and try people you know if a person is verbally abusing you why are you verbally abusive why are you doing it you know that that's not love that's not nice it's, it isn't kind right so you you testing them in those areas but you're not saying are you just a thief you just this and you just that yes yes you see those things but you you can pray about what you see you're not saying that this when you like you have to understand that words is so powerful and so some people they don't know how to differentiate between speaking certain things testing and trying the spirit and then judging right so those are are three things that sort of interlap and are interchangeable some people just use it like so much that instead of them like like let me go to this scripture i'm gonna go to this scripture so that way you all can can have it so you want to go to first john four and one so it says dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god because many false prophets have gone out into the world so you want to test and try the spirit because people are going to be lying to you they'll they'll say that they're one thing and then they're going to do they could do something else but when you have the power of god living on the inside of you you can identify that spirit once you identify the spirit you're supposed to immediately begin on your prayer just pray i i don't care if you gotta go if you have to mumble it under your breath i just rebuke every evil spirit right now in the name of jesus christ i command them to flee from this person right now in jesus name so you test and try the spirit because it's a spirit that is always going to be governing someone you just have to identify which spirit is governing them now going back to this scripture um of judging you don't judge judging is condemning no person some people go to jail and when they go to jail they didn't did their entire sentence but when they get out of jail guess what they're condemned by society so how is the world combating recidivism well it's very difficult for them to combat recidivism because many ex-offenders are going right back to jail because they can't come out and get reintegrated back into society because they have a, a lifetime condemnation sentence 
that have been placed upon them by society. You don't judge people or condemn them. So let's look up the word. I, I just want to make sure I'm explaining this completely right. So the word judge is to form an opinion or estimate, est, estimation of after careful consideration. To hear and decide on in a court of law. To pass sentence on or condemn. You basically, you, you condemn this person. You haven't heard anything that they had to say. Just because of one situation. You condemn them. So when you look, let's look at the word condemn. Condemn is to express strong disapproval, criticize, to pronounce judgment against, sentence, to judge or declare to be unfit for use or consumption, usually by official orders. So when you condemn somebody, you're, you have disapproval of them. So everything that they say, you disapprove. Everything that they do, you disapprove. Everything that they want to talk about, you disapprove. You're condemning them. You are judging them. You don't want to listen to anything that they have to say. That is condemning. That is judging. That's not testing and trying the spirit. So that is the difference between testing and trying the spirit and judging. So when you know things about people, you you can you can judge the spirit. You identify the spirit, but you don't judge and condemn people by just this. Hold on one second, please. So you don't, you don't, um, you don't do that. You don't want to do that. You identify the spirit. You know that the spirit, if the spirit is evil, you rebuke it, right? All right. Um, also condemn means to declare, um, to, hold on one second. It's still loading. To declare to be reprehensible, reprehensible, wrong or evil. Usually after wearing weighing evidence and without reservation. Okay. So it's without reservation. Just condemning the person. All right. Now um let me go to this one post. One moment. Okay, so this I wanted to go to this other um post. that I made. Um, so my mom, she wanted me to talk about this post that I put on LinkedIn the other day. So let me go to it.
I do not see it. One moment. Here you go. All right. Okay, let me go ahead and um, let me. I'm gonna stop share, and then I am going to share the screen again. So make sure that it can show the video. Okay. All right. So um, this is a video about the World Economic Forum. Um, just basically saying that Singapore will no longer compare students' performance to each other, right? And so I wanted to just um sort of read this out. Hey, sister. Hold on one second. Hey, how are you? Jimmy, I haven't seen you. Yeah, I am. I am sweating. Cause it's hot, actually. You made some food. Yeah, I did. It's, yeah. All, it's over there. I apologize about that, y'all. Okay. Um. Okay. So this is a video about Singapore. Um, no longer in comparing students' performance to each other. Okay. This will show that learning. Hold on, please. This will show that learning is not a competition and prepare young people for the future. Report books will no longer show students position in class to let pupils focus on their own progress. And discourage unhealthy comparison with peers. Students aged six to eight won't have any exams at all, but teachers will still use assessments to check for understanding and to give feedback. Mid-year exams will also be removed for some older students to free up more time and space in school to adjust to new subjects or encourage and motivate self-learning. The Ministry of Education wants to reduce excessive focus on marks and help students meet the challenges of an increasingly world by becoming lifelong learners. By 2022, the job skills we need will look very different in the future with soft skills like creativity and leadership likely to improve so employees will need an extra 101 days um hold on a second it's kind of going too fast so employees will need an extra 101 days of retraining and upskilling by 2022 could your country learn from singapore
so that is with the world economic forum um i haven't talked about the world economic forum yet but i will be talking about them on another podcast um so let's talk about the 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 post that i made here so i said i do not like what the world economic forum brings into society but i do agree with removing some aspects of competitive learning but not all so i don't agree with the fact that there there is going to be a one-size-fits-all approach here's why learning without it being a competition it sounds excellent and superb in a world that has so many disparities it can help sponsor students that are brilliant through their diverse talents disability inclusion learning can be challenging right for students that use critical thinking in addition to students that are driven by results due to the learning environment not being challenged enough with the curriculum so some students can do homework in their sleep while others face challenges and this is so important to understand because there are so many people that actually use critical thinking so when you think about colleges for instance private privately funded schools or privately funded colleges and or elementary schools and high schools um what happens is those schools allow you to use utilize a little bit more critical thinking compared to um public schools so public schools are not going to use this uh approach of critical thinking in their curriculum so critical thinking students are you know they may be left behind so that's the next question are critical thinkers left behind in school why or why not so critical thinkers they could be left behind in school why because there are a lot of different um curriculums that may not be challenging for them right and so now they're they they can't like utilize a critical thinking skills so for instance some students may take an entire month to do an assignment that may take me one hour to complete the reason why is it's quicker for me to complete is because of the way that i learn um so we all have different learning styles but some people they they are critical thinkers where others are very creative and so they have more of um stronger uh creativity than those that are critical thinkers right so there are going to be a huge amount of disparity when it comes to privately funded schools and public schools all right so um our diverse learners also call students with disabilities so i put it in parentheses dis which is d-i-s and I capitalized ability. So it's disabilities left behind in school. Why or why not? So our diverse learners also call students with disabilities left behind in school. So I would say yes, because many of these students, they are not able to keep up with the curriculum. So for instance, I believe it was the part test. The part test has been distributed to all of the students everywhere all right and what it was it, it is actually a test that um analyzes the grade level of students three to four grades higher than their current grade so they're actually testing students at a level that's three times their rate of understanding things so that that test is meaningless now if a, a, a student that is a critical thinker, you give them a test 
that allows them to uh, take a part test that is that's going to analyze their thinking and understanding three or four grades higher, they may be able to complete it compared to someone who's more creative, right? Because they're, these students are going to be visionaries. They're, they're creative individuals. They're not critical thinkers, right? And so with them not being um, critical thinkers, you know, that is a problem if they're going to be taking a park test. That is going to be a, a issue. So um, freedom is not free. There is no free lunch. So for instance, yes, they do give out free housing. But just because they give out like free housing, it doesn't equate to a person being able to get a good job. Right. If you get a good job and you work in a contract role and then all of a sudden this job is paying you um, to a certain end date, then guess what? You can't you can't make a certain amount of money and receive public housing as well. So what happens is you're you must maintain a certain income level um, before you could, you know, move on into something else when it comes to receiving your free public housing and so there is not a free lunch because what happened is when you're getting free things it requires you giving up other freedoms or do it why or why not so well these other freedoms that you're giving up could be the ability to make a higher level of income right having a higher level of income isn't going to get you a, a free lunch so you, you're required to stay within a certain amount. So you have to understand that there are perks to keeping people in poverty. And I'm going to say that again. There are perks to keeping people in poverty. So there is no free lunch. Um, People want freedom so bad, but if it's given to them, will they take it? Why or why not? Oh, see you later. Okay. All right. We all... Hold on. Hold on one second, you all. I'll put the sauce in here. That's about the book. Okay, there you go. Um, send it again. I just sent you another invite. To see. Things are never gonna change. Okay, you have to turn that down. All right, so I guess he wanted to come on to just play his music. All right, so. Um, going back to the podcast, right? People want freedom so bad, but if it's if it is given to them, will they take it? So you have to understand that there are gonna be people in this world that they want freedom, but will they really take it if they're provided with it? For instance, if like this person here on the blog, it said, Why did the prisoner choose the bread instead of the key? 
If you know the answer, then it says you are a philosopher. Well, this person is, is behind bars and there is a, a bread piece of bread and a key that is in front of them. They're going for the bread instead of the key. Why are they going for the bread instead of the key? Well, they're doing that because they're comfortable with being in prison. Do you want to be free from stress, free from depression, free from anxiety, free from all of these different things, right? Free from the things that are contributing to your demise. Or do you continue to endure all of these different things and going through so much stuff just because that's something that that's just what you, you know, comfortable with. That's something that you used to going through. You used to fighting in your marriage. You used to fighting in your relationship. You are accustomed to this. This is your norm. This is a behavior pattern. This is, these are your habits. So this prisoner is going for the bread because he's used to being in prison. There are a lot of people that's used to depression. They're used to stress. They're accustomed to anxiety. So they're going to endure those things and they're going to continue to have a mindset that is going to keep them from moving forward in life. So for instance, the more you know, the more you should want to grow and do better. But if you're not teachable and you're not trainable, God can't correct you. God can't teach you then you're going to be comfortable with staying in prison to depression. You're going to be comfortable with staying in prison to the stress and anxiety of what life is bringing you. So you comfortable with just living with all these, uh, with living with adversity. You're comfortable experiencing all of these different things in your life that isn't helping you. For instance, poverty. You are in poverty because you don't know what it means to give. So your lack of giving equates to you always being in poverty. But you don't know this because you don't want to be obedient to God. Well, God has given you the key, but instead of you choosing a key, you're going to keep on choosing the habits that's keeping you in poverty. So those habits that are keeping you in poverty isn't going to set you free. You have to do something about your life by changing the things that are going on in your life. You are not supposed to be doing things that is going to keep you in a, a, a life that is not filled with peace. God wants you to be happy. You should be happy in your marriage. You should be happy with your family. You should be happy. You, God don't want you depressed. He's giving you the tools that you need to be successful. God has gifted us with every spiritual tool that we need to overcome the enemy's arrows of discouragement, discord, and disbelief. So instead of you choosing the wife that God wants you to choose, now you didn't chose another Eve and now she's going to make you become passive. When you're supposed to be the man because you're the head of the house, but instead you keep choosing all of these Eves who are making you the woman. 
How do that work? So, for instance, women, we know that, you know, there are certain things. Well, I'm not even going to say a lot of uh, what a lot of women know. Let me say this, for instance. Every few years, this is what I do. I just want to give another um, testimony. So, like, every every couple years, what I do is I, I cut my hair. I would say, like, every three years, every two. My hair has been growing like this. I had my locks in for about two years now, okay? Um, I had cut my hair off, and my hair just grow. The reason why is because I don't put any chemicals in my hair. So let me explain this. You have one brain. One. Your prefrontal cortex is right here. Right, right here. It's right here. And your prefrontal cortex is your ability with how you learn, how you process information, and your decision making. So the more depressed you are, the more stress you have, the anxiety, it shrinks your prefrontal cortex. So your prefrontal cortex is shrinking with the more problems you have, the more stress you have, the more adversity that you're experiencing in your life. Your prefrontal cortex is your ability, the way you process information, the way you learn your decisions. It's shrinking. So instead of you thinking and making right good decisions, you can't do that. Because guess what? Now your brain isn't just being impacted by your uh the stress isn't just impacting your prefrontal cortex but it's also impacting your amygdala your amygdala is sending sort of signals to your hippocampus in your brain and it's affecting all these different parts of your brain so stress anxiety and depression is negatively impacting your brain so what happens is is when women women or men when you're putting chemicals on top of your scalp right because you have one brain and underneath your brain you have a myelin sheet and it's about it's it's some i think it's supposed to be like like a medium size length of like it's like a film on top of your brain like a, a protective covering if you have been using chemicals for many 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 years do you know what happens those chemicals are seeping into your skin so when you think of your skin, you have to think of your skin as a tissue. So if you want a bathroom, you get you some tissue out. Your skin is tissue. When you put lotion on to your skin, your, your skin is absorbing that lotion. When you drink water, water moisturizes your skin. So I like a long time ago, I didn't used to use lotion. And I didn't use lotion was because all I did was drink water. And I literally, that's pretty much all I still do is drink water. But I still do get ashy, so I do use oil. But I'm saying this because many, many women, that they don't know these things. You know, so they're putting chemicals on top of your brain. And it's seeping through your skin. And you only get one brain. So that, that combination of stress anxiety depression all those different things are happening while you now still putting chemicals on top of your head so that that can damage parts of the brain they actually had a youtube video where it showed women that were using different perms and different things on their um scalp 
and um it showed they brain how it was it was like that brain was messed up it was messed up years and years and years worth of chemicals that will seep in into they on top and top of their brain so it is so important to be aware when you are aware of things you you should want to do better so this prisoner he's in prison he's choosing the bread but that means that some people are still going to choose the things that make them depressed they still going to choose the things that make them stressed out. They still going to choose that man that beat them upside the head. They still going to choose that man that you, you have to fight with in your marriage. You still going to choose the man that's committing all this infidelity and having sex addictions, right? So it's like, when do you choose the key that God has given us? Do your, do his word. Because now when you get equipped with the word of God, now the word, we, the word of God becomes alive for you. It is alive in your life. You no longer, you know, dead to this um, mental contamination of, of sin. But now you're made alive through the word of God. And so you're not going to choose that bread as a prisoner. You Now you want the key so you can get out of prison. So this is what, that's what God wants us to understand is that he does not want us to be in prison. He does not want us going through unnecessary things. So going back to the, the blog, um, it's in what ways do the tyranny of groups like the World Economic Forum negatively or positively impact the world to allow or disallow the freedom to know? the freedom to choose, the freedom to win, the freedom to thrive, the freedom to speak, freedom to think, and freedom to live. Well, you have to know that God is going to provide us with all of the tools that we need. All you need to do is read your Bible. The word of God has everything in it. People say they talk about the lost books. They talk about this and they talk about all of it. L let me explain something to you. What's the most important book in the world is the Holy Bible. All of your answers that you need in life is in the Holy Bible. So if you want to have the freedom to know, choose, win, thrive, speak, think, and live, you have to choose God. You don't choose these groups and in in all of these places to validate who you are. Otherwise, you will become a prisoner to them. Don't choose the bread and still be a prisoner. Because if you choose the bread and you stand in prison, what's the point? The key is right there next to the bread which one do you choose do you want the freedom that you need to sustain see the word of god gives us freedom so why do individuals and groups sponsor inequity inequality and disparities when it's wrong well they sponsor these things because it's an advantage for them let me explain this my my um ex-mother-in-law her 
entire family is German. Every everybody in her whole entire family is German. And when I met her, she she is one. She is a very very sweet person. But she wouldn't think that she came from a family that is governed by the Ku Klux Klan. That is very difficult to like try to fully understand. She was a director of nursing at two different hospitals. And when I got when I was in my house, I, I couldn't even buy my own furniture. I just pretty much everything was given to me. And 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 I, I wanted to be able to, you know, buy my own stuff. But there are a lot of different things that I saw in her, and I saw her benevolence. And she is a 100 percent German woman. But she's one of the most strongest women that I know. Even though she, you know, like grew up with the, her dad, is the wizard for the Ku Klux Klan. So he's like the chief for the Ku Klux Klan. And she didn't want any part of that. She chose to live a different type of life. She chose to get away from that. But she can't get away from her sisters and brothers of the people who she loves. She love these people and they love her. They are her family. And what I noticed was even though this experience, you know, like that, that entire experience, you would think that that was like a very horrific type of experience. And it is. And it was. So that means currently and in the past. But what it really means is don't judge people because you don't know. Just You would think that just because a person is in the Ku Klux Klan, a family, that's how they grew up, that you would think that all of them are that way and all of them are not that way. A lot of times, many people that grow up in homes where there is hate, they want to get away from that. They don't want to partake in it, they, but they do love their family. And when they supporting these ideologies that are against inequality and against inequity and they are against these disparities, they family don't accept them. They are treated bad. And it's just like I told, um, I had mentioned in, in class last week, I said, well, you know, what's really interesting is since we are in higher education, we are privileged. Whether or not, you know, we want to accept that or not, we're still privileged. This is why I always say that I've experienced both sides of the spectrum. Meaning that I have understood what it means to come from poverty and I have, I understand what it means to have wealth. So it's like, having that experience of both sides, sometimes you may not be accepted even within your own culture. 
So I know I'm not the only person in the world that experienced this. And I can't say that all blacks are in poverty. I would never say all to anything. I never place that type of bias. I'm not subjective like that. I'm more of an objective person. I want to exhaust every possibility of being objective as I can. So it is imperative for me to make sure that I am, you know, trying to understand people all the way and not just have these pre-existing thoughts that a lot of times many of us have. So just because we may not like this group or that group, you know, you may not even be accepted within your own culture because of the level of education you have. Or because now you're no longer in poverty, now you are black privilege, privilege. Or now you Hispanic privilege. You you are privileged. It doesn't matter if you want to attach yourself to that privilege, you are. So in what ways? I'm, I'm sorry, and why do individuals and groups sponsor this inequity, inequality, and disparities? Well, they sponsor it because they don't really know because if they really knew what a person was experiencing and the pain that they was going through right like uh, we judge we judge all the ku klux klan because it's considered a hate group but what about the families who are you know like living in those families i heard the head or the head um who was it I would, well, I'm actually in the National um, Honor Society of Leadership and Success. And so they had a guy that was on there who was uh, worked for Disney. He was the chief operating officer, so the COO for Walt Disney. He said he never met a black person until he was over 20 years old. He never literally met a black person until he was over 20. But he also didn't answer any of my questions. So what does that tell you? I don't know. You know, the only thing I can say is I don't want to assume that, you know, he does, I, he's the chief operating officer. So apparently he does talk to black people. But like what experiences have he been through? Have he ever seen a racist dog, a racist animal? You know, like I wanted to know some of that. You know, so like if you have, I've never been around a, a certain race, you're going to be curious. So we're going to be curious about these things. You should have curiosity, but understand that the reason why people are sponsoring this inequity and equality and these disparities is because they don't know the other side. They don't know, know what the person on the other side has experienced. Because if they did, they wouldn't be supporting these inequities. They wouldn't be supporting these inequalities. They wouldn't be supporting these disparities. If a, a, a ex-offender goes to jail, they serve their time, they get out, but now they're condemned by society. Why do they need to tell you that they went to jail. They completed their sentence. 
So now it's a bit, it's a you know a factor or it's a risk factor now that they can't get the job because they didn't been in jail. Why does that make sense? So now you're saying that since you went to jail, we don't care if you don't have money to feed your children. Now that you went to jail, we don't care that you want a job. Now that you went to jail, we don't care if you need a house. Now that you went to jail, that's on you. Go make it the best way you know how. Better yet, just go back out there, do another crime, and go back to jail. That's the way it should be said. Because that's what's happening. If people go to jail and they do they they complete their sentence, but they come out and they're condemned by society, they can't feed their kids, they can't get a house, they don't have a job, they can't get a job because you won't hire them. So what do you want them to do? Go do what they are accustomed to doing. So it's like if you take a software engineer. So I've been doing software engineering, well, Oracle, um, ACM. And that is a skill. I'm certified now as a, or in Oracle Cloud Infrastructure and also Oracle Cloud Data Management. So when I go get a job, I'm going to get a job in that field because that's what I'm used to doing now. If I want to go get a job in social services, I know how to how to do pretty much everything in social services. If you take a person that went to jail, can't get a job, can't get a house, and can't do anything to feed their kids, what do you expect them to do? What are you telling them? What is society telling that person? Imagine your husband can't feed your family because of a mistake that they made. They went to jail, started their time and get out, and now they, they still can't feed their kids because the jobs won't hire them. So you saying to them to go back out and go commit another crime. That's what you're saying. And you also saying that society does nothing to combat recidivism. Besides create programs here and there with limited funding. Right. So I, all I'm saying is we have to give people the opportunity. All right. If the word of God says in Hosea 4 and 6, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of your God. I also will ignore your children. So you have to understand that people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. A, a fool is someone with a lack of knowledge, a lack of wisdom, a lack of common sense. So it's common sense for me that no chemicals on the hair, period. Because guess what? That is going to seep through your brain. Everything that you put on your skin, your skin is tissue. 
It's, it can be absorbed just like tissue. So whatever you put on your skin is going in your skin. So is that saying, well, what do you think I walk around looking at people and saying, oh, my God. I can't believe you didn't got your hair that color. You you know what that's doing. You think I walk up to every person and say, hey, you know, that dye is going in your skin. Absolutely not. Because guess what the word of God tells us? Let, let me go to this scripture. The word of God tells us this. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightful, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have to study. God wants you to study. I know somebody that didn't even know how to read and started learning. how They learned how to read from reading the Bible. So it's all about you. It's all about you improving your relationship and understanding with the Lord. It's not about it's not about you when you're helping other people. So I wanted to end end it on um tonight on this uh scripture here. It's in Galatians. So let's go to Galatians 5 and 13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, we, we need to make sure that just because you're you can do something doesn't equate to you to it being okay for you to do it you shouldn't do it just because you can oh well see i can't fornicate i can't have sex with him oh he do want to take me out oh i can't go out with him oh no 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 and no again no 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 you have to you have to think before you act and say you know what just because this is an option it doesn't mean that it is a good option. You have to stop thinking that just because you had an option to do something that is going to be beneficial to your life. There are so many things in life that is not going to be helpful to you. So just because it's there as an option doesn't mean that that's what you should choose. So you my brothers and sisters were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh don't keep choosing the bread in prison don't keep choosing the things that is contributing to your depression so you stay in prison to depression don't keep choosing the things that is contributing to your low self-esteem don't keep choosing things that is going to hinder you. Choose God. Don't choose the things 
that is indulging of your flesh. Yes, it may be okay. You might think that it's okay to go hang out with them, but it's not. Every time you hang out with them, you stressed out. You got, you got problems. So why you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again? Stop doing the same thing over and over again. It starts with you. So, um, I wanted to finish up this, up this post that I made. So let me go back to it. So the next thing is. How do you define accountability compliance? I think the way that we should define accountability to compliance is asking God to show you when you're wrong so that you can change it. You want to be accountable for your actions. You can't just because, you know what, you're you the one that chose to stay in that relationship. It was your fault. So you have to take accountability for that. No, no, it was it. You're not. No, you don't want to get beat up, but you, but you stayed. You stayed for a long time. You, you might have stayed for many years. So whose else fault is it? It's no one's fault. We have to take accountability. I chose to stay in that situation. If you didn't finish school, it wasn't because, oh, well, see, I didn't have a bus fare. I couldn't get there. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. No, 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 no. People are always going to make time for what they want. If you want it done, then walk. You don't have no money. Figure out a way to get some money. Go pump some gas. Go sell some bottles of water. You have to be accountable for your decisions. If I chose the wrong friends, you know what? That was my fault. I shouldn't have never even been hanging around them in the first place. I can't even blame. You can't blame them for their actions. You, you chose to walk with them. How can two walk together unless they are in agreement? You chose those friends. God didn't tell you to walk with them. So in what ways do accountability compliance impact a combination of critical thinkers and diverse learners? Critical thinkers and diverse learning learners have one thing in common. They want to learn. That's that's the one number one thing there. They want to learn. So Hebrews 13 and 16 says, um, we will show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others. For these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. So understanding learning competition creates the ability for students to excel. They can excel in spelling bee competitions. They can also pave their career choices. They can and can increase their motivation levels in sports contests and their achievements. 
uh, competition also is good for all students because it shows their ability to improve and grow. Learning competition creates, um, it can influence negative behavior due to being forced to compete when they feel uncomfortable, teasing, bullying, defeat. They can contribute to silence. Silence can be dangerous. Um, it can cause offense. It causes offense opposite of, of kind, right? It can cause rejection. It can create low self-esteem or high confidence. It can also mean someone is thinking um, and, and many other unknown factors that silence could mean. Competition also create disparities that impose on students true talents and this can cause them to be defeated and give up academic tests only measure one area which are academic levels there is much more to the human brain personality and attributes than just understanding them academically so there is no one size fits all approach to school so you have all of these educators out here teaching something that is going to be ineffective they need to make sure that they're accommodating critical thinkers and diverse learners so i'm going to end tonight on that um and, and just please understand that god loves us all god wants the best for each and every one of us and so i do appreciate you all for joining me tonight let me go ahead and pray Father God, I come boldly before your throne of grace. I thank you so much for just leading me in this discussion, God. I pray that you show all of us our wrongs, God. You, you show us every single thing that we need to do to improve in our lives and allow us to improve it. Allow us to follow you in righteousness and be led by your Holy Spirit, God. This goes for every single person in the world, God. Every single person, God. Allow us to improve by transforming our minds. Do not let us be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So I plead the blood of Jesus over the renewal process of our minds through transformation of your word and understanding you, God. Through the obedience, through our obedience, through our actions and reactions, God, I plead the blood of Jesus over us in Jesus' name. God, I just thank you that you keep our hearts softened and melted for you. But most importantly, Lord, that you allow your will to be done in our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me. I will see you all again on Thursday.